0: you <music>
1: brilliant minds and looking at the world around them. How do they 360 themselves and 360 the world? Jamie Neal, the host, asked many questions about their mindset and how they fundamentally operate their world and the world around them. Here at 360 Yourself, we are very proud and honoured to be partnered with General Assembly. We embrace this with open arms to a new adventure. General Assembly is a global tech education company focused on the most in-demand areas today. So that's anything from UX, digital marketing, coding, data science, data analytics to travel writing and ethics. Our slash their main goal is to get you where you want to be. You can find out more about them at ga.co online or across all socials at ga London. We also encourage you to please rate and comment about us on Apple Podcasts. If you do enjoy what we bring to your ears, we'd love to hear about it. Hello and welcome back to 360 Yourself. I hope you're having a good morning, good afternoon and good evening. You've got me, the host, Jamie Neal. Um, Welcome back to 360 Yourself. Um, You might have been aware that we are very, very, very close to episode 100, which is insane insane I can't believe it episode 100 when people say to me how's it been I'm just like it's incredible the people that I talk to and the people that are so open just to be on this podcast is immense I just I sometimes I lose words with the people that I'm connecting to because some of these people I'm just like I've known them like visually like on digital for like a long 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 time they're a massive fan of their work Um, and them as people and then to chat to them just in such an informal personal way I just I love it I really really do so I really hope that it comes across that way that I honestly absolutely love talking to my guests and this next guest is going to be a mind-blowing I mean we talk about everything from uh, developing yourself to kind of confidence and ambition, what is ambition and stuff so i 'm really really excited to to tap into her mind because she 's had such an amazing career, like something like before she was working at Levi as the vice president of sales and effectiveness um she uh, was working at Sears Holding Corporation, and now Uh, at present she's the vice president of eBay fashion I mean mind-blowing I mean I've always I said to her on the podcast I was like what does it feel like to be a vice president like could you imagine like me going I really want to be a CEO of a company one day and then suddenly you're there and you go I'm a CEO of a company or I'm a vice president of a company what does it feel like did you like I always ask these successful people like did you visualize yourself going I'm going to be vice president one day of a of a company. Like that is insane to me. Like it's so far, far from what I do because I'm so, I'm freelance. I don't, I don't work for one particular company. So I find it really fascinating how that kind of the journey come about, like how people's minds work about where they kind of see themselves and the projection. Um, and something I want to talk about separately is about kind of comfort and breaking out into your comfort. And that could be as simple as um, don't sit in at the same table, at uh, the seat in the table. You know when you go for dinner and you're always at the same seat, uh, if you're at the head of the table. Or it could be uh, wearing the same boxes, like getting the same boxers. I mean, try different ones. I mean, there might be more breathable, I don't know. Um, but also something I've I've been talking about uh, with people recently is finding the simplicity and the comforts of the things that I actually need in my life to make my life a bit more more comfortable. Um, and i give a reference to this so basically um, I've just kind of redid my room and moved things around and stuff and um, for a long time I didn't have enough hangers in my wardrobe and I just put it off for a long time and I was I don't need them and I was folding up stuff and I was putting them on the floor and the in the wardrobe and on top and actually and recently I just was like you know enough is enough because I spend my time undoing the clothing that's on the that's folded up and then i have to iron it or steam it but actually if i just hung it up it'd bit my life a bit more easier and so i'm worrying and making less decisions in the day if i actually just get some hangers so today i bought four hangers Um uh, four four packets of hangers which are like i don't know 20 of them in uh all together and um I think it's going to make my life more comfortable. And it's simple things like that, because we have, I don't know if you know this, but we have about 36,000 decisions that we make every single day. And if I I can make one less decision, um, it's one more decision that I could probably go into something more important than, well, I've got to take a moment to iron my clothing. Anyway, that's basically my idea of like comfort is to make life a bit more simpler and a bit more Easy, because life is kind of hard sometimes, and at this moment is hard, and and sometimes it's really great. But just making my life a bit more easy and have more comfort. Like I've always believed that you should put money into like lots of different things, um, but especially with things that you use quite regularly. So shoes, of course, a good bed, a good pillow, uh, toiletries. Like I don't understand how people don't invest more in their bed. Like you spend eight hours, 10 hours a day in your bed sleeping. Why would you not spend more money on that? Because sleep is so important. I can't tell you how much sleep is important. And we don't spend enough money on getting the right bed quilts, um, the right bedding, uh, the right pillows, the pillows are so important. Like I remember going in to to Salvage's to do a bit of shopping and i was with my friend and i was like mm i'm just going to like see like some new pillows i didn't look at any of the the, um, the the tags the money things and i was like i was just trying them and there was about 100 different ones and i was like i really want this one and then lo and behold this one was like 300 pound the most expensive one in the store and it, Trust me to get tr- pick up the one that I that's really, really expensive. And I, I've always been told that I have quite expensive taste, but not knowing, not going, oh, that's £200. It must be really great. I'm always about, if the quality is there and I feel the quality, then I can understand why it's priced at that. If it's really, really expensive, but the quality is not there, I don't care what it is. I don't really want it. I just want quality. Um, anyway, so moving forward. So... Um, We have this most amazing guest, uh, Vice President of eBay Fashion. I want to introduce you to Karis. Hey Karis, how are you doing?
0: I am doing great. How are you?
1: Very, very well, thank you. So whereabouts are you in the world at this moment in time?
0: So I am in the San Francisco Bay Area in the United States. And the sun is shining right now
1: oh amazing so have you always lived in that area or have you lived anywhere else
0: no i um grew up i was born in pittsburgh pennsylvania and then um when i was a pretty small kid we moved to chicago illinois and mm-hmm. i have lived there so i am 1000 percent chicago who I am is Chicago. Now people from Chicago, I will admit I'm from the suburbs of Chicago. I'm not from the city city, but I'm still Chicago, all Chicago in my heart. Oh god.
1: <laughs> so, and so we we were just chatting beforehand about Chicago and that uh, Chicago Bulls. And you would say beforehand that you kind of grew up around that kind of history of like Chicago and that uh, Michael Jordan back in those days. I mean i mean what what an experience to be part of that kind of history i mean crazy because i watched the netflix series if you if i'm sure you have as well
0: yes yes yeah yes i definitely watched the last dance it brought back so many memories because as a kid i would watch all of the games i would know michael jordan's changing average i would know who was playing in the game who was not playing who was hurt Um, It was just something that you followed, and Chicago is such a big sports city that you would have Bulls days and Bears days, and you'd always make sure that you had your own gear. I even had Bulls earrings. I still have. I should have worn them today. <laughs> but I have oh, no. Bulls earrings you know, that I'd wear to the games. Um, it just, you know, it just, whether you're into sports or not, it makes you feel like you should be into sports just being in a city like that.
1: Why what, what do you think it is with Americans that they're so into sport? I mean, we are also into sport. Like, for us, rugby is like a really massive thing over here, year, uh, which is basically your football. But, like, yeah. for Americans, it's like meat like chicken wings and stuff and like sports. Why is everyone like so into sports in the US?
0: I think we, we, a, you know, we're very, we like to kind of have a group that we associate with. I mean, I think that the United States is so diverse, even in its topography. I mean, you can go to the desert, you can, you can go to somewhere more tropical. Um, So I think we just, we like to have a team that we can associate ourselves with. We like to have a group that we can associate ourselves with. We mm. like to have, you know, just a set of characteristics, even, you know, you being from one area versus the other. I am incredibly proud of being from Chicago. I know when people are from Chicago or not from Chicago based on the way they engage with me oh, really? Even with or without saying it, you know, I can tell I've had people that have said, Oh yeah, I'm from there. And then I realized that after a conversation, if our conversation doesn't go to a certain place, and I'm like, how long did you live there? And they'll say,
1: oh, a year. And I'm like, okay, oh. that's fine. <laughs> is it, is it, is it? What, what about, is it? Because I, it's the same thing for me. I'm from the Southwest. And when I go, when I go to the city in London, you can always tell when, when someone's from the Southwest because they're very friendly. They're like, oh yeah, I'll give you a ride or whatever. But like me, most people in London aren't like that. And also the accent obviously um gives it away but like what is it about Chicago people that kind of that you can tell if they've been there for a long time or a short time
0: right well they're not overly nice but they will engage in conversation um Chicagoans are very you know we're nice we'll give you a shot but if it if we're not connecting we're not going to continue a fake conversation it's <laughs> just <laughs> love it, it. right there you know we're not are going to be rude. If we're sitting next to you on the plane, we'll kind of acknowledge that you're there. We're not going to ignore it. If I'm on a flight from San Francisco to Chicago, I know that the San Francisco people, I know the Chicago people, because the Chicago people will say, hi, and they'll kind of give you a nod. Oh, excuse me, I'm in that seat. San Francisco person will just put their headphones on and completely ignore you.
1: Wow.
0: <laughs> so it's not about even nice or mean. It's just definitely, and even in the conversation um, that you engage, I've had conversations with people, you know, in the grocery line about different you know about different things and I actually met someone in San Francisco who I saw wearing a Chicago hat and I said something about the team he had on he had a Blackhawks and I was like go Hawks nice this year and he just his face lit up and we talked about weather and we talked about sports oh and that's was, so nice so nice to meet you move along and that's that's how we do there's no let's be friends it's just have the conversation move along
1: yeah <laughs> that's so no- it's so nice I mean it's and there's not many other communities or countries that sort of that have that sort of like rapport with someone that you find local. I mean, of course, like when you're British, like if you are in a different country, like I don't know, India, and you see someone British, you're like, "Oh my God, we're like best friends." But um, <laughs> it's not, it's not <laughs> like, yeah, it's not like, it's not like you can have that sort of relationship with sort of anyone. And it's so funny that you have that kind of with people who are from uh, Chicago, and then you can be in a food store have have a good conversation. So how do you know? My my question is right. How do you know if you extend the friendship, then, afterwards?
0: Yes, I think it has to be, but there has to be a genuine connection. Like, my person, my example in the store, he and I, we did talk about, well, why did you come to the Bay Area, you know, but we had very different jobs and we were both nice people, but, you know, I was, I'm was i married, he's single. You know, it just wasn't like, uh, was right. to continue. there was no mutual connection, um, but that's okay. I mean, if I, for example, if I ran into somebody, which I have, you know, once or twice, who, was from, who I grew up in high school with, right? But we weren't friends, we'll yeah. say hello, we'll acknowledge each other, and we'll keep moving, you
1: Fair know? Enough. But there
0: isn't, because it's like, we weren't friends in high school, why would we just hang out just because we did that? Yeah, you know, no, so it's, it's, it's very, tr- to me, a more genuine way It's of, true,
1: of though, isn't it? Like, if you do meet someone from back from school, you just go like, hi, how are you doing? And then if you, but you might not have been best friends with them or friends with them at school, but so why should you then now, years later, just reconnect and be really close to chums? right simply because
0: you run into each other yeah that's not that is not the case and that that has happened before and I and that's that's one of those indicators to me
1: (laughs) yeah fair (laughs) enough and so what I want to know so what is your background like where did you come from is your family like are they business people they creative people what yeah where did you come from
0: yeah so um uh, like I said, grew up in Chicago, but I was born in Pittsburgh. My dad is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania mm-hmm. um, in the us and then my mom is from New Orleans, so we are Creole. that's kind of you know the culture that we that we follow so that so she's from New Orleans and um, they met in Pennsylvania and you know here here it goes. but I say that because both of those cultures, especially the New Orleans culture, has its own kind of unique thing and being creole um well i as a youngster i didn't think it shaped me but now that i'm older i see different you know kind of characteristics and just you know the beauty kind of of that of a lot of that culture from the food to the friendliness way friendlier than, than the chicago piece that i just talked to you about mm. um, but yeah um my parents were my mom was in retail she she just retired and she was a buyer for different um, sets. So I kind of have been involved in retail and clothing from the time I was born. I mean, my baby shower was in a store, you know, the people who gave my mom her baby shower was in the store she was working in. at
1: the Oh, time. that's so cute. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. So I've kind of always been, you know, <laughs> been in um, retail, whether I wanted to or not, I actually tried to avoid it as much as I could growing up. I, I wanted to be a I was a political science major and kinesiology major, which kinesiology is like the study of movement. Yeah. And, um, you know, so in college I was like, I'm not doing this retail thing. Um, which as we'll probably get to later, um, you can't avoid what you can't avoid, I guess. But, um, so she did that, you know, kind of, but I was really lucky because, because she was a buyer and at points, she ended up being a buyer for my age of clothing when I was a teenager. So, I got to go with her to market and I got to talk, you know, see vendors and I got to see what new clothing was coming out and all of that. So I was really fortunate to kind of be exposed, you know, to the industry really Mm. young, um, even though I just always said I was going to avoid it, but it is what it is. Now, my dad on the other side, my dad is actually a personal trainer. And so he started being a personal trainer when that wasn't like a normal thing. So while I was, you know, maybe with my mom in the store, I really, my days were with my dad in the gym. So, um, working out has never really been a challenge, you know, a thing for me. It's not a problem. So people are like, oh, I can't get up and go to the gym. That is just very normal to me. Moving is very normal to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I'm really thankful to him for, for just putting, instilling that in me. Cause no, I'm not a person who looks like I'm pumping iron all the time, but I will always be working. I will always get my daily exercise and it's just... Yeah. So
1: it's it's, it's part, of, part of your routine. If you've done it from your kids, it's part of your routine. Mm-hmm. It's a normal thing for you.
0: Yes. 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 So, um, so yeah, I would kind of spend my days with my dad. I'm an only child and, you know, and my mom would be working, working, working. And, um, but you know, but it was, it was great. It was also great to be able to see, you know, a black female you know just to me that was normal to see my mom working yeah, yeah even yeah. though I had a lot of friends parents that weren't but to me that was a very normal thing my dad worked nights or different pocket different pockets of time and he was home with me during the day and my mom was home with me at night and that was just mm. the way things were yeah you
1: know? um, did, did you enjoy being I, did you enjoy being um by by yourself though as an early child because some people really no. enjoyed it no you didn't enjoy it <laughs>
0: no <laughs> not at all I have three kids now (laughs) because, Ah. and I would have more if I could, you know, if it all would work out. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, some people really enjoy being an only child, but I loved being around people. I just loved being around people. I, so for me, it was just, I just kind of, you just learn to kind of get along with everybody when you don't, when you do like people and you don't have. You know um, other kids around that's what I tell my kids I'm like when I was younger I had to figure it out myself I had to go make my own friends I couldn't just rely on my my siblings yeah you know, to do all of that um, but I do think it it you know made me a different person and frankly moving to Chicago was the the shift for me I was still young I was still like seven years old but I was really shy and once I got to Chicago and those personalities kind of brought my personality out yeah
1: because so. I'm assuming Chicago people are quite uh, not loud, but they're they're very out there. They're very out there yes. sort of people they're in the, out mo- there in the most n-
0: sarcastic. Yeah, so you would say, so they'd be like, "Nice shirt," and I'm like, "Oh, really? No." <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it is interesting, even when I moved to California, I had teams that, you know, they wouldn't know whether I was being serious or not because they didn't have that level of sarcasm. So, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah. It's the, same, it's the same thing with British people. When people go to, like, LA if they're actors or whatever, and they, they, mm-hmm. they put themselves down and they're like, oh, I don't think I did very good there, or I'm not very good. And the Americans believe them. They're like, no, 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 I don't mean that. But you have to, you, right. it's sort of like the opposite. You have to be like, oh, I'm actually quite good at what I do. Because British people were very, like, Oh, no, you go first. Oh, I'm not that great or whatever. <laughs> and Americans are not like that. I'm, like, I'm the best. <laughs> it's so different. Yes.
0: It is. It is. Yes, it is definitely interesting. So, yeah, grew up with those guys and, um, you know, had a really nice life. I mean, I can't, yeah. you know, I can't really complain at all. I was exposed to a lot of wonderful things. I loved high school. I loved college. You know, I just was that person that was always ready for the next thing because I really just... I've always felt like I wanted to love my you know love, enjoy my life so yeah I attempted to do um, to go the the politics route because from the time I was probably in middle school I thought I wanted to be president of the United States that was like my thing the
1: goal I um, love it love that strong. That was, so there's there's theories I, I want to go kind of backtrack before we go kind of forward there's there's theories i like uh only childs to uh people who had like siblings and stuff and like their success rate and their ambitiousness do you feel like you uh, because you're very successful do you feel like because you're an only child it might affected kind of your business and the the pressure of uh, of wanting to do great i mean it's fascinating isn't it like when you have a like we might my sister we're, we're quite competitive so it kind of spurs us on so, but some people aren't like that, So, and they've done a lot of theories. I, I wouldn't know what your thoughts are.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I guess this is just it. for me, I always felt like my parents um, gave me a lot. So it was no question that I had to do try to do better than them. You know, yeah. I felt like they were very successful, and they were given a certain amount of things, but they definitely didn't have the opportunities that I had. So yeah. I think it was always more about you know, you always want, like, the approval and your parents to be proud of you yeah, and all that yeah, stuff, yeah. so, and with, as an only, like, your parents are looking at you 24-7, you know, they're noticing every inch of detail on you all the time because they don't have anybody else to, to worry about, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so, um, so I think, um, not necessarily the pressure from them, they just said, make sure you work hard, like, make sure you work hard, but th- but beyond that, it was more like, but they've given me all this, so of course I should Get to this level because of course, yeah. they, they got to this level and they didn't even have what I had. So I know. It was more like, kind of, what do I owe
1: them? There's, there's only a certain amount of percentage of parents, though, who, have, who had a lot when they were younger, but the majority of parents didn't have a lot in the seventies like, or 80s. I don't know how old your parents but my parents are all, right. around that age. And they, I mean, my parents didn't even have a TV. Like, they, they only got a TV, like, when they were, like, I don't know, like, 10, 11, and they had to put, like, uh, coins in the back and stuff. So, like, of course, they, most, most families or most parents don't, didn't have a lot when they are younger. And so you want to you kind of, they try to give you as much as they possibly can now because they didn't have much when you were young. And you want to kind of rise up to that, the, uh, the kind of level that you know that you can kind of get to.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And
1: so, what I, yeah. and so, where did you? Because obviously, you, your mother was into the the buying side side things, but you didn't actually study that. Where did the kind of shift go? Where did you pivot into?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So, um, you know, as I said, I was a political science major. I went to. Um, University of Maryland for undergrad, which is really eight miles outside of D.C., mm-hmm. of Washington, D.C., so I wanted to be where the po- you know the politics was and yeah, still kind of yeah. get a campus, so it awarded me both, um, and I was very into it. I mean, I'm like the queen of monuments. That's all I do is go to the monuments. I used to go to the monuments every week to study and see what protests were happening. Like, I loved all that stuff, and, you know, I would take the classes in, in political science, and then I added in the kinesiology later But, you know, I took these classes and everything that I was learning and I was volunteering was kind of telling me that government really holds up a lot. You know, Mm. you're not really getting things done. It takes (laughs) takes time. It takes
1: a lot of time.
0: Yeah. 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 And I was volunteering at these, you know, places and the government was slowing a lot of these nonprofits down. And and I, you know, like any one young person in college wanted to help people. And Mm. how can I help people? And I thought politics was my way of doing it. And the more I learned about public policy, things like that, it was the private sector that was really infusing the money and the energy for a lot of these things to happen. Mm. So um, I had interned with a retailer, in office, and you know was kind of learning the East Coast, West Coast type of thing. And after I was done, I'm like, I'm not going to work in retail. I had an apartment in DC. I was ready, and I went back to Chicago just for the summer to see my family. And you know, um, there was a role that was open. My they had offered me a role after my internship, mm-hmm. and I had had that offer. And I also had an offer to do this program in the U.S. called Teach for America, where you um, basically the government essentially pays for you to be a teacher to bring in these you know college college educated you know teachers, and they train you and it's actually part of the Peace Corps and all of that so you oh. you essentially give provide your service and then it you know um, you work in these underprivileged schools right okay. um, so the goal was to kind of get people with these different backgrounds into the school so I was accepted into that program so I was kind of between you know hey here's a here's a corporate offer and here's this you know other offer for this program which yeah. sounded to me really exciting. Now, I was really hoping to – they place you in different cities, and I was hoping for kind of D.C. or Chicago. Well, they put me in Los Angeles, and while I speak decent, okay, Spanish right now, at the time I didn't speak any, and they were like, yeah, you're going to be a kindergarten teacher in Los Angeles. And I was like, okay, so my kids, I'm going to walk into the class, and a lot of them are not going to be English speakers. Oh, yeah, it's only going to be about 70%.
1: I said Dash. so
0: I'm expected to make them successful and they said yeah but you know don't don't worry about it like you'll figure it out and how will you
1: figure so, it out I, if you don't speak a language how can you figure it out like place right, cards yeah. and what sort of thing tra- like a little translated device
0: <laughs> exactly yeah and and I just and you know and and I had spent my summers in LA but you know I was being sponsored by a company at that time so I had a car I had you know my little housing stipend you know I had money I could get my hair and nails done and look like I belonged in LA (laughs) living there on a teacher's salary is a different you know it's kind of a different ball game right so I looked at all those factors and in the meantime I was kind of doing my interviews um, with the company that I had interned with and I really didn't think I wanted to do it I was like you know what I have to take this interview you know whatever and um, when I interviewed the person who interviewed me said to me, um, it was about, it was in a a supply chain role. And he said, "Um, you know, Cheris, logistics and supply chain is not about moving boxes. It's how you motivate people to move those boxes every single day. And I was like, "Uh, that's what I want to do. You know, once I understood that, you know, I could help impact people's day-to-day lives by providing them employment, by, keeping them motivated in a job that for me was always like, it is hard to go in and do the same thing day after day after day. Yeah you know sure, I had yeah. a lot of respect for people like that who could go in and do that because I needed a changing world, you know, and these are people that can go in and do the same thing every single day. Yeah. Um so when he said that I was like, okay, that's what you know, that's what I want to do. I'm in. And so from there I just kind of went into lots of, and I was in retail at that point. I just wanted to learn every aspect of retail from the supply chain. I was in HR investigating affirmative action cases and any you know cases of racism or sexism. I, was in, I, did, I did that as a job for a minute. Um, I did fine, I was in finance, I was in operations. I just wanted to learn from the back to the front, everything from retail. So really understanding like an article of clothing from the time it's designed until it gets delivered to you. Um, so I did that and then moved into e-commerce probably about you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And have done e-commerce since.
1: Ah, uh, did you, did you, did I, I think I read that you worked at Walmart as well. Is that correct?
0: hmm I did, yeah, yeah. I worked at their little brother, Sam's Club, yes.
1: Because <laughs> uh, the funny funny thing is, because someone told me like ages ago that the most, I don't know if you know this, this is a really, really random fact, so I don't know why I bring this up, but apparently the most... um a popular item that Walmart sells is bananas.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Someone someone yeah, told yeah. me this and I was like, is it true? I don't know. But I thought I'd just ask because you work there. I don't know.
0: I have definitely, yeah seen some data that's bananas. but But the funnier things are when you start to see, you know, when you think about structured data and all of that, some of the correlations that you get. Yeah, yeah think about AI, I'm like, that's why a person still needs to intervene, like, artificial intelligence and all of that is really important, but you you still need to think about it, because we would see, yes, the bananas, but you would see things like diapers and cigarettes, you know, (laughs) correlated together. Sometimes the things you would see together, because, you know, at Sam's club it was a business you know small business so maybe they bought cigarettes for their small business but they also were buying diapers for the baby <laughs> you know, or alcohol yeah the alcohol and and, and and diapers or something like that or baby formula yeah
1: as as much as I'm all for technology I, I, I have major con- conflicts about technology evolving faster than we can and, and sometimes computers are very very good at something and that should totally be where they need to be and, but sometimes you can't take away the human factor, and I think I have a lot of conversations with people who work within the CGI thing and, and the AI world. and And I'm assuming that you work a lot with this sort of that technology and give the algorithms and that sort of thing.
0: Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. But I am just like you. I'm a firm believer in technology as an enabler, but you can't just let it let it go. You know, especially with the level of bias that is still involved within technology. I think there's a lot that technology enables, but it can definitely get scary if left to its own devices.
1: So. Mm. And so you were, just, you were just working for Levi as the Vice President of Sales Effectiveness, mm-hmm. and now you're just at eBay, the, one of the biggest companies in the world as the Vice President of Fashion. What, what made you want to kind of go to, to eBay? What was so appealing? I mean, eBay, everyone obviously knows eBay, uh, it's a great place. Yes. I, I always say to someone, if you need to buy something, just go to eBay. So I'm just, <laughs> everything's there.
0: Yeah, it is. Yes. And it's very big in the UK. Um, yeah. So Levi's, you know, is a beautiful place. It is a beautiful company. It taught me so much about what being a values led company means mm-hmm. and how important that is. Because I worked for great companies before. It wasn't Walmart is a great company and yes, they have values, but Levi's, it was like, I would sit in meetings and we would talk about, okay, we believe in sustainability, so let's not use that tag, you know, um, it just was part of our day-to-day,
1: um,
0: vernacular, and you would, we would challenge each other based on some of those values, you know, and and for me, that was just like such a, a beautiful environment to be in, and I think when I thought about I, I didn't really want to, you know, leave Levi's. I thought it was great. I thought it was a great place. I have there are wonderful people, you know, that I met there, and the culture is wonderful. Um, but when eBay had approached me, I was really um, drawn to the fact that just the nature of eBay's platform, you know, their purpose is this economic opportunity for all, mm-hmm. and that really resonates with me because I've been doing, you know, just a lot of research, you know, and understanding about you know, underrepresented communities and their lack of financial stability. Mm-hmm. You know, their lack of wealth and how it just kind of gets worse and worse. I mean, for for black people in the U.S., our net worth is the same as it was in the 80s. No. like Yes.
1: Wow. And it's
0: not high. It's a very low amount. Um, and that there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. But um, when I thought about eBay, you know, one big draw was just, Yes, they have created a platform that truly does provide economic opportunity for all. So maybe not every single person, you know, is is there because of that. But the nature of the platform itself is to provide opportunity and access. And Mm. to me, that took me back to my days in college when I was helping people. And, you know, I mean, you or I wanted to start a business tomorrow. We could on eBay. We could start it this afternoon. I mean, I sit with my 11 year old and he now is learning the components of business because he gets things in the house takes a picture, writes a description, you know, and yeah. we check it. And now he sees, oh wait, I customer service. I have to now, wait, my item sold. What do I do? I have to package it up. I have to send it out within a day or people are going to give me bad reviews. Mm-hmm. He's watching YouTube videos on on selling on eBay, like all these different <laughs> things. You know, but but it the fact that that it's providing a platform that you can do that within seconds. Mm-hmm. Especially in a time like this, you know, COVID timeframe where there are people who are stuck at home. And they need money. Mm. And you can't just go out and get a job right now, right? Yeah. You can't say, oh, I'll just go to the corner and, and do it. Or I'll yeah, just get yeah, any yeah. random job because you're exposing yourself. And here you can ha- you can start your own business right within your house with what you have.
1: Yeah. A lot of my, a lot of my friends have been making their own stuff and then selling it on eBay. And I think that's amazing. I mean, it's yes. great. And uh, obviously there are other... Um, Kind of selling things like Depop, but I don't. I mean, I don't really. Yes, get, yes. I, don't, I don't get Depop. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what it is. But there are there are other kind of things like that, and I think it's great that you can provide a service that allows people to have opportunity to sell their own things and to become their own business. Because before eBay, I mean, how did people sell things? Like, I mean, I, was it just Yellow Pages, like an ad in the in the paper? I mean, it's revolutionized the way that we conduct business now.
0: Yes. And the kinds of things you can sell. I mean, the first thing that sold was a broken laser pointer. Was it? <laughs> that was the that was the first item that sold on eBay. Yes.
1: Wow. And
0: who would ever have thought to even attempt to sell a broken laser pointer? But you know?
1: and so, but, but someone wanted to buy it because it was the first thing. Yeah,
0: but somebody wanted to buy it and they said, "I can fix it." Somebody was trying to I, find a laser I, pointer and fix their.
1: Would, own. You, would you would you be? Able to, I'm assuming you'd be able to find out who that person who bought it and how much they probably yeah. sold it now
0: yes i don't remember um what they bought it for it wasn't very much money but there is i just watched a video in my onboarding about this person who bought that first laser pointer it must <laughs> be so much was, He's still shopping and, and buying he's still selling and buying on ebay
1: that's so amazing i wonder how much that that kind of laser would be now if he did sell it i mean because this was the first i mean obviously it's not a, a it's because it's just because of it's more than the value isn't it it's kind of like an art piece sort of like yes and, people, exactly. and It's a piece people, of
0: history, right? It's a piece of history.
1: Yeah, it's like the first ever YouTube video. It was just like, I, I love looking back at the first things, or even like the first thing at Amazon or the first thing of Apple. Like, you look at like the Apple, yes. one, of the first, I don't, I, you might have seen it, but the first kind of uh, campaign advertisement of Apple. It's still revolutionary, even today, in commercial standards. I mean, I look at it and mm-hmm. I go, oh my dear, that is so brilliant and they came up with it then and it was not about the product it was about a message and about a story and they got that even then
0: yes exactly yeah yeah it's it's definitely you know these pieces of history and the story that they tell and how they make you feel is just it's incredible so yeah ebay and what it's about that really drove me and then the opportunity to you know be in fashion and work in the fashion space and Mm. provide that access again it was really for me about you know how do I provide access especially to underserved communities and how does the platform help do that and so for me you know eBay is now really starting to focus on their specific categories which is a, a bit different you know than the strategy before and you know it just was a great kind of set of timing for me to, to be a part of something like that where I can provide access where I can you know maybe even make a difference yeah know, in, yeah in the when, so when you when you, you
1: all want when, when you get I'm, I'm fascinated when you get like a call and someone from eBay like calls you and go do you know what I want to give you the vice president role do you go like shut up that's amazing like do you, how is it I'm always fascinated with like agencies and headhunters and stuff like obviously everyone knows everyone within a community and like I have friends who are like chief marketing officers and all that sort of thing and I'm always fascinated when someone like calls you up and be like because obviously you're in a job and you're not looking but like they just come to you anyway going we've got a job might you be interested like how does that kind of work
0: yeah yeah I mean this one um, the eBay piece was also you know I had had a connection with someone um, who was at, um, who I worked with at Walmart that actually is at eBay now. So I think that kind of put my name oh, in the makes hat sense. with yeah. that. So I think that's sort of what, what gave them, um, the idea, but it's, it's, it's interesting. And I, I tell everyone this story only because for me, it was a big shift kind of in not my life, but call it in my career life was that, you know, I was at, I was at Levi's having a good time, but then I kept noticing, not noticing, but just throughout my career that I was being picked for different things. But I wasn't necessarily, you know, going for, oh, I want that. Give me that, you know, kind of a thing. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to lock myself up in a hotel room and I'm going to decide what do I want? You know, Mm. now I'm at the point in my career that I don't need to get chosen. I can do the choosing as well. And I was seeing that I, people, I'd be chosen for one job. Somebody would be chosen for another job. And I'd say, well, why didn't they pick me for that one? And I would, I'd say, Charis, you didn't. You didn't ask for it. Like, you know what you want, right? You you articulate what you want. So I said, I'm going to go in a hotel room and I call it my little mini sabbatical, which people laugh about because it was only three days. (laughs) But I locked myself up (laughs) in a hotel room in my neighborhood, (laughs) like walked with my suitcase to the hotel and checked in and just said, what do I want? What are the things that are really important to me? Just what do I want my life to look like? Where do I want to live? Mm-hmm. You know, And I set up this criteria um, for what's important to me in a job. And what does that look like for the next 5, 10 years? Where, where do I want to go? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I sort of mapped that out. Very high level, but mapped it out. And you know, tweaked my LinkedIn a little bit just to make sure it was up to date. And then literally it was like the floodgates opened. I started getting calls within hours.
1: No way. recruiters.
0: Yeah, it was like once I had kind of put that out into the universe – things started coming to me and not everything was right no no
1: but of course like the law of attraction if you believe in that sort of thing and energy and manifestation it will it will draw but did you ever because I'm I'm massive on the law of attraction and visioning and and kind of guiding my path I'm not I'm not a sort of person to kind of just I do I do enjoy the journey but like I don't wait for something to kind of wait for the opportunity I like make the opportunity because I'm 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 manifesting and I'm going towards something. But when you kind of maybe first started, did you did you have a sort of going I want to be a vice president one day of a company? Like how did or did you just go I'm just going to I'm just going to enjoy my job and then whatever comes along I'm just going to make decisions based on that?
0: Um Does that um, make sense? I always wanted to be <laughs> the boss whatever that meant. Yeah. <laughs> that, that always, you know, whether that was and, and I think What would happen is i would start to see what that looked like you know um you know maybe it was like i saw my mom my mom was a vice president so i was like okay i need to get to that or i need to get to this there were certain things that i saw but but i would kind of cap it and then i started to think wait if you're gonna run e-commerce for a brand that was like something i wanted to do right Yeah. But why just e-commerce? You know, I had a mentor who was like, why are you stopping there? Why wouldn't you want to be CEO? Why wouldn't you want to think bigger? Like, if you're going to go there, why would you not just go to the next level? So I definitely had to challenge myself to start thinking bigger. Mm -hmm. But, But yes, I'm totally aligned with you is that you have to create that opportunity. And I have found that if I... I just saw myself for me this whatever business vision was me sitting in an airport in a suit you know looking at a phone and I remember the day that that happened where I was sitting in an airport in a suit coming back from somewhere I was working looking at my phone Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it was just it it wasn't obviously about like oh I have to be in an airport in a phone but it was that vision of that's what I thought this business person would look you know would look like traveling back from somewhere Fun or not fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dressed up. But it is... And, and it happened.
1: But it is funny though, isn't it? Like when you envision like what a CEO or vice president or someone who's a big film director or whatever, and you envision what that life might lead and then you live it. It's sometimes never what you think it is.
0: Totally. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, even when I see it, because, you know, I've been at different companies and different companies look at hierarchy differently and people will be like, oh, I'm sorry, Cheri, you know, you shouldn't be in here because of this. I'm like, just... What do you mean you can't say this in front of me you know just but
1: aren't you all <laughs> on the same vision though like why can't you not say in front of because you're all like unless it's like obviously like numbers I'm assuming like numbers and figures and what I don't know I don't know, but like surely if you're all in the same headset to make this company absolutely amazing, surely exactly. shouldn't you all be in the same room and the same vision
0: yes yeah it's it's interesting because some people do get caught up in that. And, but I, I guess when I was in a different position and I have to remind myself of that sometimes too, because I get like, why aren't they telling me this? Or why aren't they coming to me with this? And I have to try to remind people that, Hey, you don't have to come with, with the idea fully fleshed out, or I'll say, make sure you come with the idea fully, you know, I'll be, I have to be really clear about what I need and when, because I don't, yes, I know I'm a vice president, but I just see myself as, Cheris, who wants to get the work done. Mm. So if you have a good idea, I don't really care what level you're at. It's not going to be, I'm not going to have the best idea.
1: Yeah, there yeah. <laughs> I, 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 once, I once worked with this guy called uh, Nikolai Foster. It was a, I'm going to shout out to him because I think he's an absolute amazing human being. And he runs uh, the theatre, a theatre company, a really big theatre company in, uh, in uh, Leicester, which is called the Cooker Theatre. And I remember one time watching him work and he was working on some this this production of leaky blonde and i was like this is great this is great what he's doing and he this this um as cleaner was um was be uh, was be retiring i think she was and uh so the next day he got flowers he got everyone to sign everything for this cleaner like made this party for this cleaner and i was like and i've never seen that ever in my life of someone who's a cleaner being a party because they're retiring because they're leaving and he always, and he said to me like it doesn't matter where the idea come from it can come from the cleaner, but if it's an if it's a good idea it's a good idea and I always remembered that because an idea is an idea it doesn't matter it doesn't matter where it comes from and I think a lot of more i think maybe a lot more leaders should should take that kind of advice on it as well because it can come from just an even like a second intern in the company because they don't totally. they, they see things differently than you might see it. yes
0: yeah and and that's important for me it's important i and I will tell people, we're not always going to agree, but I'd still rather hear it than not know. I don't want to live in my own tower where everybody thinks I'm... I think everybody thinks I'm great and they really can't stand me or they don't want to tell me the great ideas because they're worried about my reaction, so...
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's just fascinating, isn't it? And but, but I mean, from... We were talking before like the, the, podcast, the episode started and we were saying about anxiety. Like, do you get... I'm assuming because when you are in a, in a massive position like you are... How do you deal with your anxiety, like in work and outside of work?
0: Yeah, I love to walk. I'm a walker. Like if I need, you know, if I feel like I'm having a lot of stress and I take a 10 minute walk, it really centers me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I've tried different things like meditation and all that, but walking is my thing. I mean, even people that have been on my team know I'll say, hey, let's just have our TV on a walk or they've, I've made one person on my i was like let's just walk back that's kind (laughs) of my way to to take the edge off i need to kind of physically um take the edge off a little so yeah i find if i do that and if i journal if i kind of write write it out and say really Cheris, like you just had a bad meeting with somebody it's not the end of the world and i kind of talk myself for it you know yeah yeah off the ledge you know not literally but Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. metaphorically because life's not that serious in the end this
1: is very you know? true i mean it really isn't it, again it's the whole this whole phrase of like we're not saving lives so it's especially especially in my in my industry when we're when we're just creating things like we are just we're doing a campaign for a certain brand or we're just doing and i'm like if if this if this piece of clothing doesn't arrive it's not the end of the world it's really really not
0: right right <laughs> and even the people that do save lives take a break. Yeah, right. for it sure, for sure. That's my, it's always been my thing. Like, I'm not curing cancer, but even if I was, I would take a break even if I was curing cancer. For sure. I <laughs> <laughs> do
1: it. And so what so. we'd like to do um, at the podcast as well is do a give back. So what I would love to know, like, what would you give back to our audience, whether it is you've been inspired by a painting, a person that you've worked with, a film, or, or even your mantra for the, work, for the world that you live? Like, what would you kind of give back?
0: Yes, so... um, I am a Wizard of Oz fan since I was a little girl. That cool. movie. I've always loved it. And there is a quote in there that and I actually have it on my desk, <laughs> sitting on my desk. And it's, um, you've always had the power, my dear. You just had to learn it for yourself. Mm. Um, and it's something that just kind of keeps me. It's when Glinda the Good Witch, you know, tells her like, look, you could have always left here, but you didn't know that it was you who had the power to do so. Um, and I keep it on my desk because I have to remember I'm in control. Okay. I set the rules. I can create, you know, my own destiny. And and so the more I realize the power within myself, I don't have to worry about anything. You know, that mm-hmm. takes away a lot of the anxiety when it's your reaction is going to control all of that. So it's something that I am constantly reminding myself because I think it's very easy for all of us, right, to say it's their fault or my boss didn't give me this or this person didn't do this for me or this person didn't do that for me. And a lot of the times, A, you haven't articulated that you wanted it. You haven't put the plan together to, <laughs> to go after it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to kind of not – that, not that bad things don't happen to you, but it's all based on your reaction. So for me, that, that's been a big quote that's kind of um, – I've started to – you know, really, really internalize. And then there's one other piece that um, that I've been thinking about a lot. My kids are very much into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, something they do quite a bit. They want me to do it. I'm not there yet, but there's <laughs> some <fun>. really <laughs> interesting quotes by Elio Gracie. And, um, you know, and there are some, some interesting quotes, but so much of Jiu-Jitsu is not about how big or strong, you know, one of the quotes is like, a well-thought-out answer makes an aggressor think twice. Mm-hmm. you know, And that kind of reminds me to stop and think about how do I want to approach it. I think for me personally, I like to do, I want to do, I want to do. But sometimes when you just do and react, mm-hmm. if, if you just would have taken a minute, think about it for a second and how do you want to approach it, the, the answer becomes very different.
1: I I That's one of my big things in my life. I'm very much a do in the moment. I just go full blazing and I have to train myself to like take a moment just to go okay we don't need to do this right now we don't need to give an answer right this second we have a moment just to figure out our route because I'm I am a doer I like just to like get things done but I one of those things is is definitely something that I'm working on and have to think about constantly when I'm doing stuff because if not I just just go
0: yeah I did it yesterday I was like (laughs) we're gonna stop and we're not going to do it just to check it off the list because you're not in the right frame of mind to do it. So yeah. do it when you can think about it. Bring the right quality to the thought process.
1: Absolutely love that. Well, thank you very much for coming on 360 Yourself. It's been absolutely wonderful to chat to you. And I, I think I think it's great. I think everything that you're doing is amazing. And the way that you kind of conduct yourself, and it's just incredible. I wish I was working for you. <laughs> it sounds great. I can't.
0: I'm hiring.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love it. Well, I want to say thank you very much for coming on 360 Yourself and I wish you all the best the rest of the day.
0: Thank you. Same to you. This is wonderful. Appreciate it.
1: This is 360 Yourself and I'm Jamie Neal. Thank you very much for taking a moment to listen to our wonderful guests. Please subscribe to our podcast to access all our brilliant guest episodes. They are released every Sunday at 12 p.m. We are available on all listening platforms, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Google Podcasts, and Castro. You can also find us on Instagram at 360 underscore yourself, Twitter at yourself360, and our host at JamieNealJN. Thank you for listening.